everybody. Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And today we are continuing our coverage of The Bad Batch, aka The Sad Batch, with the next two episodes, Rampage and Decommissioned. Is this episodes five and six? Yeah. Have we, We've had this for six weeks. Five, because the first week we got an episode on May the 4th, which was, was it a Tuesday? Oh, that's right. Yeah, it that's was a Tuesday. It was a Tuesday, so we got episodes one and two in the same week. So it's been five weeks. That is still so long that we've had the Bad mm-hmm. Batch babies in our lives. And Loki is starting tomorrow. Oh my god! Like from when we're from when this comes out, it'll be tomorrow. Are you ready? No. <laughs> like I'm like I I know I'm gonna love Loki. I, I'm at the point where I'm like, the more I see, the more I'm just like, I'm ready to have it, you know? I, like, yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to be better than Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but maybe not as good as I think WandaVision. Different. I yeah, think different. When I, yeah. what, when I think about it compared to WandaVision, I think it's going to be a hard comparison because there's such different shows. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, like, almost going to be... I, like, I really do have high expectations for this show. I think it's going to be really good. Hopefully, they, we don't run into as many issues as we did with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like, at least in, in, in our opinions. Yeah, like pacing type things. Yeah. I'm hoping... We get yeah. some really creative stuff. I mean, it looks like a really creative show. <laughs> yeah, and like Tom Hiddleston, like we're both Tom Hiddleston stands. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we are Taylor Swift, Tom Hiddleston fans. Yeah, but like, I mean, outside of this, like I'm a Cars fan. Yeah. Oh wait, no, he's not in Cars. That's... <laughs> I, I, okay, Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston were in a movie together. They were in Midnight in Paris, which I love that movie, too. Um, I, like, I just made up that Tom Hiddleston was in Cars, like, because I wanted to, I guess. Okay, but imagine Tom Hiddleston in Cars. A British car? Yeah, he could be, like, one of the spy cars. Yeah, he would be really good in Cars 2. Oh my god. Like, they should remake Cars 2 so Tom Hiddleston can be in it. Yeah, it's just the Tom Hiddleston cut. <laughs> oh my I want to hear him say ka-chow. I, oh, that would be like a purr. Oh my god. <laughs> yes, um, ever since we rewatched Thor, we've also been much more into the Loki character. And speaking of Thor, we've gotten <laughs> some pictures from Love and Thunder. He's and huge. My God, that's a big yeah. boy. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth is like huge, like unnaturally huge. Yeah, I don't understand how he's so large. <laughs> like it's like Wrecker. Like he like looks like real life Wrecker oh, size. You know what though? Thor is Wrecker. Yeah, just dumb big boy. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, but. Um, moving into some other things. So I finally watched Schitt's Creek, which Alex has... She watched all of it. She freaked out. She started begging me to watch it. And I finally watched <laughs> all of it. And I just, like, wow. Just, it was very, very good. I loved good. it. I loved it. It was really mm-hmm. good. What are you going to do with yourself now? Because when I finished it, I was just like, it's over. Like, what do I do with myself? 
well, we're going to watch the documentary. Yeah. <laughs> but after that, I don't know. Um, I, I dove back into Gilmore Girls because I didn't mm. know what to do. I was like, I need that small town charm. Like, they're not the same show type of show, but, like, they both have this, like, really quirkiness to the small town atmosphere that they both, like, they both do really well. So that's why I guess I reached out for Gilmore Girls after. It's a very similar type of vibe. I feel like if, like, um, Dan Levy and um, Amy Sherman Palladino collabed. Oh, my God. (laughs) Because they have a very similar type of vibe, but they are different. That would be a really interesting combination. Amy's pacing in her scripts, but Dan's, like, emotional... Like, like my God, tendencies. <laughs> I was Can you not imagine expecting. that, like the, the the pace of Gilmore Girls, but with like the emotion of Shit's Creek? Yeah, well, because like I I feel like Amy, like she really nails like like you said, like the pacing. I think she does really good with like the references and like the snappy and the wittiness. But like, but Shit's Dan- Creek did the references well too. They, they did. I I mm-hmm. think we're we're like Dan like really shined there like with his show, and I don't know if it came from like him, if it came from his dad, but like the the characters and like the story that they would go on was yeah. very unexpected. Like I was not expecting them all to have basically a six season long arc. Like I don't think it was mm-hmm. all completely written out like that, but it flowed Plans. so it well. It flowed well, yeah. Yeah. I just You like you you saw them grow, especially like binging it rather than like watching it over six years, like Well, like, that's something I was, so, like, my mom and I watched it together, and we got to the end, and, you know, like, they were looking at apartments, and, like, Alexis was like, oh, yeah, well, like, you know, we're all still gonna live together, like, I'm gonna live with David and Patrick, and, like, I thought that was adorable, my mom thought it was weird, and I'm like, no, they're, like, a family, like, they're all a family, like, that's why it's so sad, at the end, they kind of, you know, have their arcs and go off and do their things, and I'm like, that they learned how to be a family, and it's just so good. Yeah. Uh, Did you like the shifts? Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I was not expecting. <laughs> I remember when he started the show and you're going on about mutt. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like just like I really my I head, really like, thought mutt was supposed to be like the end game. Like <laughs> you were like, but Ted, and I'm like, but why Ted? Like is in season one, Ted's just kinda like I don't know. I mean, he proposes to Alexis so quickly. I wasn't expecting that to be, like, a whole thing. And then he comes back, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. They were... They played the long game with him. Like... And I think it's an even longer game. The yeah. game's not over. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that scene in the notebook with Noah being like, it's still not over. It's still not over. <laughs> No, but it I mean, it's never I, over, Ali. It's still not <laughs> over. I believe that they are in the game, and one of these days it will happen. Just not right, right, per, right people, wrong time. Like it's just like the wow. one. It's Taylor the said, one. The one. I never thought about it though. Like in one of those last episodes. David tells Alexis, like, if she went with him, she would just be following another guy around the world. I'm like, he does have a point. Like, that that was interesting. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with, like, everything that happened in the last season, but I do also think that Ted is the one, and he's going to come back at some point, and, like, they're going to be happily ever after, and it's going to be great. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I love the family, and, like, now you understand, like, how I'm, like, I love all the roses. Yeah. I love all four of them. Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. It's just, it's spectacular. And Stevie. <laughs> Stevie is yeah. amazing. Patrick's amazing. I just, like, you're right. It's it's just like Gilmore Girls. Like, I'm in love with this town. I'm in love with these people. I'm like, you can't just leave it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. A year in the life will come eventually. <laughs> yeah. Give it, like, ten years, and we'll get, like, a reunion, and it's going to be cute. It'll be at the little house. Like, I'm excited. I'm here for yeah, that. Yeah, or I like the idea that, like, Knives Out 3 will be just the roses. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, though. It would be so good. It would, like, legitimately be good. No, like, the character of David and Alexis, honestly, all of them. Like, all of them. In the Knives Out setting is hysterical. I'm, like, I'm obsessed with the idea of Ryan Johnson writing Moira. Oh, my God. Could you imagine them working together (laughs) on that character? Catherine O'Hara, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Ryan Johnson. Perfect. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. But if you haven't watched Six Creek, uh, we both fell in love with it. It's amazing. Uh, the slow burn ships. True love is real. Like Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, but as far as news, something that I think was completely unexpected, and that Alex just like mentioned this to me, and then she read it, and she was like, oh my god. And then I had to read it and was like, oh my yeah. god. Um, War of the Bounty Hunters by Charles Soule. I wouldn't have picked this up. No. 100% Um, no. Like, you messaged me and you were like, so I'm hearing a lot of things about the new Boba Fett comic. I'm going to read it. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Why? Yeah. Um, I didn't know, but I was told by multiple people to read it. And I'm like, they're like, just trust me. And I'm like, okay. And so I did. And uh, and yes, trust us. Read the, the new Boba Fett comic, War of the Bounty Hunters. We, uh, I, I would like to talk about the spoiler a little bit. So yeah. Um, Skip ahead a couple of minutes. Yeah, like, please go read it. Like, do, do not let us spoil it for you. Like, actually, like, spend the $5 or whatever. Like, it is worth it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Skip, skip ahead two minutes. Okay, so what did you think of the Kira reveal? Like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) I was not expecting it. Like, even when you were messaging me and you were like, who do you think this is? I said Kira as a joke. Like, I wasn't, that wasn't a real guess. (laughs) Yeah. Well, like, when I I got the comic, well, actually, I, I bought the wrong comic at first by accident. I bought the prelude. And then I bought the right one. Um, the, the right one is titled Most Wanted. Which, hello, that is the Cura book. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so, like, the whole comic is this, like, cloaked figure. It's obviously a very feminine-looking body, and you don't see their face, you don't see their face. And then at the very end, like, I mean, then there's, like, a hint-dropped Crimson Dawn is, is, is like, said, and you're like, okay, okay, I know who this is. And then you finally see her face, like, on the last page. Yeah. It oh, just, my God. I'm really excited for what this is going to mean. So, like, yeah. she 
basically steals Han's frozen carbonite body from Boba Fett. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where we're going. I want to say that I trust Charles Soule, but I'm not positive. <laughs> so. I, yeah. Um, I don't think Star Wars will do that. They will kill her in a comic. Um, and now if I'm eating my words right now, like, I'm, like, quitting Star Wars. <laughs> like, that's, like, the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for the next issue. I think that it opens up the possibility to see her in Book of Boba Fett. Right, exactly. Which is amazing, like, the thought of that. Because um, Book of Boba Fett is only seven years after this comic. Yeah, so she could like, if there's very a well rivalry, be there. If there's a rivalry there between Kira and Boba Fett... Mm-hmm. Which would make sense, because he's, you know, this is called War of the Bounty Hunters. There's going to be a lot of that going on. And she, presumably, because she threw Thrawn in the trash, that is the head cannon you here. Maul, not Thrawn. She threw Maul, Maul in the trash. You can also throw Thrawn in the trash. It's okay. <laughs> um, is the leader of Crimson Dawn at this point. Maybe. Yeah. Possibly. Um, I just, like, I want to see it. The only, like, if it was a different author, like, you know, that last Boba Fett series that we had that was, a, like, really bad and, like, everybody was talking about those, like, really bad scenes that they put in it, then I would yeah. be like, this is not going to end well. But it is Charles Soule, and I do like what he's done. We do like his Vader comic. We loved, you know, Rise of Kylo Ren, like, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. what makes me worried is just, like, when people ask him about, like, specific things, like, you know, like, the Padme's dresses or, like, the butterflies or, like, that kind of thing, like, which are kind of deep cuts. I Sometimes I think that he's not quite there with the emotion. So, we'll, I'm I'm, ho- I'm hopeful that things are going to work out yeah. good, but we'll just have to see. I, like, the implications of Bubba Fett taking over Jabba's palace and her being head of the other oh my god i didn't even think about this yeah because he's gonna become like, like a crime I, boss like, i actually i actually think i'm on to something oh with my this. god i didn't even think about because like it's like crimson yeah. dawn it's like jabba and like you know like the hut cartel it's all that kind of he's gonna become a yeah. crime boss we're gonna have that i didn't even I'm yeah, a fake I fan. Yeah, I think I'm, like, actually, I think I'm, like, actually onto something with this, and, like, the reason why she's being introduced in this comic is, is actually oh, more to do with that show. You know what? I, if that's the case, I, I would ship Finnick and Kira. Yeah, so, like, at this point, they're showing that, like, oh, they've met before, but, like, their yeah. relationship in Book of Boba Fett could become something, like, really wow. cool. Wow. Like, even well, if it's, it's like, you a know, one-off it's... episode, like, Man- like how Mando Season 2 did, like, a different new character every episode. Like, even if mm. she was in one episode of Book of Boba Fett, the implications. Like, I like a- Amelia Clark back. <laughs> well, like, if, if they're going, they kind of have to talk about Kira if they're going to reintroduce Crimson Dawn in any capacity. You know, because of how they set her up in Solo. Um, same with Maul, which at this point... Maul is dead, although Maul can always come back. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen with him. Um, so, like, you have to talk about these characters at this point if you reintroduce Crimson Dawn. So, I like that. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I think you're onto something as well. I'm, I'm into that. 
Well, with that, I think we are ready to talk about The Bad Batch. Um, so the first episode we have here is called Rampage. We've got our babies going to a place called Ord Mantell. They're trying to meet an informant and figure out what to do next since Finnick Shand is officially after them. So they decide to go to Ord Mantell even though they're... Um, Omega says, like, aren't we laying low? Like, why are we going to such, like, a populated area? And they're like, well, we have to find out why people are after you. Mm. That's more important than laying low. Um, so now there's this new mystery. Like, why is Omega so valuable? Yeah, and uh, well, I think we can kind of talk about these episodes a little bit kind of out of together. order. Yeah, yeah, and together. They, like, I mean, I rewatched them back to back, and they flow really well into each other. Oh, yeah, they 100%. They feel like one, like, hour. Yeah, well, because they're, they're still on Ord Mantel. They're, they're kind of, I think we're kind of entering an arc of them working for Sid. Um, yeah. So Sid apparently was somebody who used to work with the Jedi, just, like, kind of mm-hmm. giving them information, figuring things out. And so when they meet her, you know, she's like, all right, fine, I'll figure out what's Finnick Shan's deal if you do some work for me and what she finds out really is just like she names Finnick Shan finally and she says that she there's not much known about her but she's apparently working for a direct commission so she's working like directly for somebody who wants Omega and the only thing I can think of is that like do you think she's maybe working with um the Kaminoans? Because, I mean, like, they've worked with bounty hunters before, obviously. No, yeah, like, for sure, Fennec Shand. I, I think that Fennec is working with um, the Kaminoans because, like, we saw previously in an episode, they said that Django's DNA is deteriorating. Mm-hmm. So I think that they want Omegas for some reason. So I don't think it's the Empire that sent Fennec. Yeah. I I think it's it's the Kaminoans because like I mean Fennec's relationship with the Empire can change like through time but like she doesn't have a good em- like relationship with the Empire and Mando. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think uh, as far as like people who want Omega, like I don't think the Empire really knew anything about her. I think the Kaminoans are being pretty secretive and I could definitely see, like, if they need new DNA, like, hers is different. I mean, they she's extremely different from the other clones, whereas, like, the other ones are direct copies. So I could definitely see where they'd want her or, like, another member of the Bad Batch. So I'm, I'm excited to see Finnick come up a little bit later. I'm excited to learn more about that. And it, it's laying some really interesting groundwork for, like, like, what is Omega? Like, why is she so important? Yeah. I think we're going into this timeline with Lucasfilm, where within the Skywalker timeline, I'm not talking about High Republic because that's separate, but within the Skywalker timeline, they're exploring the idea of cloning um, force abilities because you see kind of, like, hints to it. Well, I mean, like, and they want Grogu to be able to do it in Mando. Um, and then later on in The Rise of Skywalker, you have, like, them trying to clone Palpatine. Um, I think this is a pattern. <laughs> and I and I really am starting to think that that's what Omega is. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting because 
it opens this door of like it, it's weird because they didn't really go for it in Rise of Skywalker, but like you don't have to be a Jedi to like have these force abilities. Because I wouldn't say that, like, just by creating Omega, whether she has force abilities or not, you would technically call her a Jedi. It's just that she has these force powers. And I I do think that there are still hints to that, like, even in this episode, because she knows immediately that, like, who Sid is. Sid is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, on my rewatch, I was like, I like that that really stood out to me. Yeah. Well, and, like, when I was rewatching, too, like, in the next episode, because she, she gets this energy bow and she's, like, learning how to use it. Like, by the end, she gets really good. Yeah, and, like, Sid, like, tells her, like, you're not good at it because you have noodle arms. (laughs) But, like, but then she, like, she still has noodle arms. Like, she doesn't, like, develop, like, super strength by the end of the episode, and she's, like, good with it. Yeah, well, and then she says it's about tuning out distractions. I'm like, that is not what Sid told you. Sid told you that you weren't strong enough. But, I mean, like, Echo tells her that. Echo is the one who told her to tune out distractions. That's true. That's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody gets to play dad in these couple of episodes. Yeah, it's really cute. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, the whole Sid thing. Like, I, I want to talk about Sid a bit. Does she seem trustworthy to you? No. Because, like, she doesn't to me. She gives me weird vibes. Well, like, here, here's the thing. It's like, so, like, we meet her, and at first when we met her, I'm like, obviously, she's not going to reveal all her secrets and, like, something's going on. But, like, the Jedi worked with her, so, like, that's kind of interesting. But, so, in this episode, like, she sends them to look for, she just says a kid named Moochie, and, like, that's it. And, like, it turns out it's this baby Rancor, and it's not just any baby Rancor. Like, it's somebody who's supposed to be belonging to Jabba the Hutt, and, like, she didn't tell this to the Bad Batch at all, which... There's not really a reason why she would, but it's, like, why? She seems to know, like, Bib Fortuna, like, really well. And then in the next episode, it's mentioned, like, like you mm-hmm. don't even know who Sid's buyer is. Like, you don't know why yeah. she wants this information. And we don't get to see the fallout of that, which I'm, I'm guessing we'll see in the next episode. But, like, she's clearly doing a lot of things and, like, doesn't feel the need to share any of this information. Like, we don't really know what her deal is. I get the impression from Sid that she just wants to be in the most powerful people's circles. Mm -hmm. Because if she's working with Jabba and she was working with the Jedi, to me, that means that she doesn't really pick a side. She picks people that could potentially protect her in different situations. And that's interesting because in the second episode, um, Hunter is told, in the end, we all choose sides. Mm -hmm. So that's really interesting. I I like that idea. I I don't think she necessarily cares, like, what political side she's picking as long as, like, she has friends in high places. That can get her out of things. She's kind of like a DJ in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I think she takes event, like, like she helped the Jedi because she took advantage of their power, their like, I guess like policing power across Mm. the universe. Um, And then the same with Jabba, like he's very powerful. If she were to get into any legal trouble with like other cartels or anything, like she, she, could probably get a favor from the huts. 
I think she would turn on the Bad Batch given the opportunity if, if she was putting herself in danger. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask you. Like, obviously, I, I think she... I think she knows a little bit more about the Bad Batch or, like, suspects more about them than she lets on. And yeah. I definitely think if she were to see that like, there's a bounty out for them or for Omega, she would turn on them. Yeah. And I don't think that, like, she mentions at one point that, like, all the Jedi are gone. She says all. I think she uses the word all. Mm-hmm. Um, now, do I think that she thinks that or she knows of some that are hiding away and like it's interesting because I think that like she would turn them in given the right opportunity if she knew about a Jedi even though they've worked together for so long that would be really important information for her to have I think like if she knew the location she would use it she would use it for herself 100% yeah because now the Jedi don't have any power. Like, the, the Jedi that are left have no power whatsoever oh, yeah. anymore. So, like, she's, she probably doesn't care. Yeah. No, yeah. She seems like somebody to me who, like, information, like, is her game. Like, nothing, like, everything is fair game. Like, anything could have a price. But, like, information is definitely, like, her thing. So, the fact that she knows about these Jedi, she might know if there's some that are still alive. Like, these weird clones came to her. Like, this is all, like, this is what she wants. She wants to collect all this information. Which I I love, I really like this character. I think that's really interesting. And I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Because eventually, <laughs> eventually the Bad Batch is not going to be able to keep returning to Ord Mantell. And I don't yeah. think that's going to go over well with Sid. Because they are, I she kind of owns mm-hmm. them right now. Well, I mean, the pattern of Clone Wars is, like, three or four episodes. So, I think we got one or two more episodes with Sid. Yeah. Well, they're going to return to her, and they didn't complete their mission in this next episode. So, I'm sure mm-hmm. she's not going to be happy about that. No. I wonder what she'll have them do next. hmm So, I do want to talk about um, a little bit more about this episode, Rampage, because um, it is very cute, uh, the Bad Batch all get captured. It has to be Omega to the rescue. Like, this baby Rancor is adorable. Um, the other animal is very cute. Yeah, what it, I didn't look up what that was. The flying creature? Yeah, it's like a dragon flying squirrel kind of thing, right? It yeah, has, like, it, it flies literally like spread eagle all the time. It's just, it's very cute. I even, um, I don't know what species the slavers were, and I know that they're not cats, but they looked like cats to me. (laughs) (laughs) It was just, like, I'm like, I I really like the way that they're broadening the world and including all of this stuff. It's just very fun. Um, And our little Rancor Rancor is called Moochie. Yes. Which is a very cute name. Yes. And I was super worried, and I was like, Lucasfilm, why do you keep doing this? It's not Patisa. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, like, my first thought, especially when you see that this is, like, this belongs to Jabba and all that, um, she is not the Rancor that we see Luke murder. Um, 
It's fine. Still, though, justice for Rancor is... Yes. Like, I'm, like, worried. I'm still worried, like, where's Moochie in episode five? I, what, so when I was looking up about Moochie, though, apparently, like, Bib Fortuna calls her, like, my sweet or, like, my precious. <laughs> like Really? Yeah, that's what it said. It says that he's clearly very fond of her. So that's kind of interesting. <laughs> it's possible that this could be Patissa's mother. Because we got, like, 20 years... I thought, I thought Batista still is around though in this timeline. Oh, maybe. L- listen, do you think like, that Luchi will be in the Book of Boba Fett also, along with Kira? Hundred <laughs> percent. Kira's gonna bust in <laughs> writing Luchi. They're all gonna be in the Book of this Boba Fett. This is all Fett. Easter eggs. <laughs> Omega's gonna, gonna be, be in there. It. <laughs> Sid. Oh my god. Um, another cute thing. Uh, Omega paints her little trooper that she got in the previous episode um, half black, just like Hunter, and says that she's a little bad batcher now, and my heart just... And can we also mention that she got a calm? Oh my god. And, they're, and it doesn't, like, fit her arm properly, and they're like, that's as good as it's gonna get or something. No, because it was crosshairs. Yeah. I just... And then, like, she starts, like, using it and they're like it's not a toy <laughs> well she uses it later when she realized like she sees it like that's what's actually sid she's standing like two feet away and she's like i've i've located sid it's just like she's the cutest thing in the world i don't i just don't understand oh and we have to mention the most important thing with this episode um wrecker has to challenge moochie to be the alpha so that they can take her back with them i mean that's a very uh, record thing to do yes and it they seemed like they were pretty pretty equally matched he he barely he barely becomes the alpha (laughs) but i think um moving into the next episode as we talked about like they're still running errands for sid but what's interesting here she wants them to go to Corellia to find this decommissioned tactical droid because it's going to have all this information about how to defeat the clones, if they're working for the Empire, all of that. And who do we meet when we go here? Who is also wanting this information? Rafa and Trace. I was so excited. What did you think when you heard their voices when you met them? I was I was really really excited. I um, I really like these characters in season seven of Clone Wars. Um, it's great to see them back. I have a lot of questions. <laughs> we'll get into that because it ties into the end of the episode more. Like I mean, Caitlin was the one who messaged us and was lit, or was it Charlotte? It was Caitlin. Caitlin saying you know that she ships Hunter and Rafa like. Yeah. Hunter is a I very shippable character. The the time when I rewatched it, I especially was, like, noticing their little quips at each other. I'm like, I mean, this is the way that Star Wars always does romance. It's always, like, this oh, yeah. back and forth quipping kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I no, see it. I see it. Well, it's the same thing with, in, with Finnick. I was like, hmm, Hunter and Finnick. Okay, I'm looking. <laughs> I feel like anytime Hunter is in contact with like anybody and has an exchange like this, it's like, mm, that's a ship. Like he's becoming like Poe Dameron level of shipness, you know. He doesn't like he doesn't necessarily have the game of Poe Dameron though. No, but he just there's something about him, like yeah. I it's... feel like 
Poe wants you to ship him with everybody, and Hunter doesn't understand why you ship him with everybody. Yeah, I like I I just thought of the whole like you know the single dadness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Hunter does not use Omega to attract romantic partners, <laughs> but, but would. it works. <laughs> No, 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 I, li- listen, but Poe uses BB-8 <laughs> to attract romantic partners. That is 100% true. Yeah. Like, he uses BB-8 <laughs> in some, like, 101 Dalmatians, like, oh, we're tangled, oh, our droids. <laughs> that is 100% true. Where, and, yeah, oh. and, like, Hunter, like, a, like, like his single dadness also attracts women, but it's complete accent like it's fluke like he's not doing it which just makes it more attractive (laughs) (laughs) circle back to one direction you don't know you're beautiful (laughs) it's about hunter it's about hunter (laughs) oh my god (laughs) who knew that harry styles wrote a song about the bad batch oh my gosh yeah it's just i never thought we were gonna see trace and rafa again honestly because um, I really liked them in season seven of Clone Wars. I, they had a really weird, like, fan response, which isn't really that weird. Like, it was kind of expected. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't expecting them to be brought back. And the way we get them, like, they're in this factory as well. They also want this tactical droid. I think it's the way it's presented. It's kind of clear that the Bad Batch are kind of the bad guys here. Like... You know, like, they don't know why they want this head. They're pretty much just doing it for money. Whereas Trace and Rafa say, like, they're trying to get it to somebody who actually needs it, who's fighting back. Like, it it serves to shake Hunter a little bit as to, like, you know, what are you doing? Well, he he kind of makes a comment near the end where it's, like, he's kind of trying to figure out who he is. Mm -hmm. Like, because, like, the war is over. Like, who is he now? Yeah. Well, he says that it was a lot easier when they were just soldiers. Yeah. Which kind of brings back to, you know, Crosshair's famous line of good soldiers follow orders, uh, which we get to hear again in this lovely episode. Um, what do you... So what what happens in this episode um, to our, one of our dear baby boys? Wrecker bangs his head again, which is already like, oh no. Um... <laughs> And then you see him going in and out of a weird consciousness of, like, in and out of that inhibitor chip. And you're like, oh, no. This is this is going to be, like, a reoccurring thing in this season. And it's... This, something's going to happen. hmm Yeah, something... The fact that they... Every single episode acknowledges the fact that Wrecker has hurt his head and he'll hit it again and just get more and more injured and this time it seems like the the programming was starting to take over and it does make me think that a plot point I I think we already knew that a plot point might was probably going to be them learning more about the chips because I think eventually they're going to try to save Crosshair and I I think this is kind of the opening to how that's going to happen because like what happens when Wrecker hits his head again, but can't break out of it. Like, what's what are He's they gonna, gonna do? He's gonna hand Omega over. I just well, 
is he gonna kill the Bad Batch? Because they're all deserters. They're all enemies of the Empire. Like, that's some pretty heavy angst. Yeah. Especially since he's, like, the most soft of them. (laughs) He is the most I feel like if they were gonna pick a character to do this with, it was, it, like, it has to be Wrecker. Because I feel like it would be different with Tech. Echo's been through enough. Hunter is... Is, like, the protector of Omega. Yeah, so, like, it it has to be Wrecker. And, Mm -hmm. like, this shows, like, they can't... They're not just safe. Like, they still have these inhibitor chips. Like, yes, they didn't work, but they're still there, and there still is a threat that they could start working again. I think Hunter being, like, the protector... It'll be, like, a duel between him and Wrecker. Uh, And Wrecker, we know, is the strongest. Right, yeah. I... And, like, I'm worried for Hunter. I'm... I... That's gonna be really emotional. Because I do think it's gonna happen again. And I do think something's gonna... There's gonna be some kind of showdown. They're gonna have to figure out. It's gonna be Hunter versus Wrecker. And, like, we know their special abilities... Hunter's special ability is going to be no good against Wrecker. No. All their special abilities are no good against each other. Yeah, they're all meant they're to work all together. A team. They're meant to be a team. Like, Wrecker will crush Hunter. Now, like, so all of their abilities do work together. They don't really work against each other. But do you think Omega could save Wrecker? Yeah, if she's force, she's force sensitive. I think that there's possibility for some, and especially because we're seeing her very empathic. Mm-hmm. Like I think that she possibly has a special force ability that allows her to like kind of calm the mind. Like it's like the opposite of like the mind trick, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, it's, like, the positive version of the mind trick. Like, it's, like, the soothing version rather than, like, extracting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely think she's going to play into it somehow. Like, mostly because of, you know, how she responds to Crosshair and all of that. But I saw somebody point out that Wrecker finally kind of breaks out of this, like, programming when he hears Omega's voice. And when I watched it the first time and when I watched it again, it just kind of seems like, you know, he had been fighting it for a long time and, like, he finally broke through. But there might be something to, like, wanting to protect Omega, like, having that programming override the good soldiers programming. And that would also be very interesting and I think could play Mm -hmm. into Crosshair as well because... It could be, like, you know, the power of love or whatever, but, like, maybe the love for his brothers or something could help break him out of it. Yeah. I I do have to wonder if, if we are going on this route where Omega is Force-sensitive, if that's the case, are we going to end up on the same kind of trajectory as the Mandalorian? Are we going to hand her over to Luke Skywalker? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, not Luke necessarily in this timeline, but, like, it, are we on the si- similar kind of trajectory? Like, are they going to hand her over are they, to Are they going to find Ahsoka and she's going to be like, oh, no, her name is this, like... It's gonna, or, like, Cal Kestis, like, because he, the whole 
story of Jedi Fallen Order was like him looking for this lit, like the list of of force sensitive kids. But I mean, obviously, at the end, like it ends up being destroyed. But ooh, you know what though? That brings up an interesting thing about the list of the force sensitive kids, because like Omega is. I mean, we're sure that she's, like, a clone, but mm-hmm. how would they have gotten this, like, Force-sensitive, like, how are they experimenting on that? Like, could she be, like, a mixture of, like, maybe they already had this child that was Force-sensitive or, like, this baby that was Force-sensitive, and they I mean, somehow... They had to get... They had to extract Minichlorians, right? Like, yeah. that's what we see in the Mandalorian with Grogu. They would have had to is- extract Minichlorians from someone... Like, but what if it was, like, the other way around? Like, instead of starting with, like, this clone and, and injecting metachlorians, they started with a different child and mixed it with yeah. DNA to, like, kind of bring it together. Well, what's his name? Mm, the one that went and started the whole deal with the Kaminoans. Oh, yes. Sifo. Sifo. Sifo like, was there more to that story? There, I mean, there could, definitely could have been. Could she have midichlorians from Sifo? <laughs> Sifo, her dad. <laughs> Is Sifo her dad? She has Sifo's. She has his power. <laughs> well, there were things in that though. In so now we're talking about um, Dooku Jedi Lost. There was a whole plot point in that of a Jedi you know, being pregnant and, like, having a child and, like, they have to cover it up and, like, keep it secret because, like, they all still, like, exist within the Order and all that. So, like, is it possible that something like that could have happened and somehow this child ended up with the Kaminoans or they went searching for a Force-sensitive child? Like, there's something... we're, We're probably, like, way off base, but yeah, there's something we're to like, that. We're really like digging pretty deep right now, yeah. like digging a hole. But like, <laughs> it just it every episode that goes by just like gives me more questions. Mm-hmm. I don't get any questions answered. There's there's just more. No, no. I do feel like I I obviously like we don't really know how this show is going to be structured or like anything like that. But I feel like we got to be getting close to like a mid season type of thing, right? Like. there's going to be some kind of, like, crux, like, some kind of turning point. Like, something's got to happen, I feel like, unless we're going to keep on going. Crosshair has been gone for a few episodes. We haven't gotten any, like, little uh, flashbacks to him or any, like, change of point of view. Mm -hmm. We've been with the main Bad Batch crew through the last two episodes. Yeah. So I think we're we're due for him, which is obviously going to give us Empire information. It's going to give us Camino information. And obviously, I just want to check in with him and make sure he's okay. <laughs> yeah, probably more Tarkin, too. Mm-hmm. Probably no Krennic, because Krennic's busy doing his own stuff. <laughs> yeah, he's constructing his his beautiful Death Star. His beautiful, beautiful Death Star. Although, Tarkin, Tarkin and Krennic cross paths quite a bit, so it's not out of the question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just, like, thought of something, but I don't think we're in that timeline yet where Saw has little Jin. Oh, no. Yeah. We're not quite there yet. Like, Jin is still with her parents. We're in Catalyst timeline, I think. Yeah, so she's little. Yeah, she's little. Um, cause she's... But, like, if, if we get multiple seasons of Bad Bash, though, we have 
it could happen. Saw, like the potential of seeing little Jin with Saw. Yeah, because I think it is Jin like Han Solo age. No, no, she she's younger. Is she younger? She's twenty. Isn't she twenty one in Rogue One? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. So she's only a couple years older than Leia. Yeah. yeah, so she was real little when it happened, and mm-hmm. Han wasn't that little. Little baby. Yeah. That would be really interesting. I'd be really excited to see that. I, I always want more Jenner, so. Um, but before we kind of move into, like, more of, like, the ending of this episode and what's going on with Trace and Rafa, um, there were two hilarious things in this, and one of them, I guess, is not so hilarious, but it's still kind of funny. Um, Omega reenacts Toy Story 3. Um <laughs> the incinerator yeah the like really sad part of toby's story (laughs) like listen like this is like a really like high stakes intense moment but especially watching it again all i see are like the toys holding hands about to go into the incinerator Mm -hmm. but she was all alone like she didn't have anyone hunter saved her i know they she gets saved by both hunter and it's trace right yeah it's trace yeah, mm-hmm. but, like, she doesn't, she's, like, doesn't have someone's hand to hold while she's, like, approaching the lava, like, Buzz and Woody. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it just, it was so, <laughs> the the comparison is so direct. <laughs> it's so direct. Um, but the other thing that was amazing in this episode is the joke, is there an echo in here? I'm so glad they made this joke. <laughs> We love funny Star Wars. <laughs> funny, dumb Star Wars, amazing. If they had never made this <laughs> joke, like, what a missed opportunity. Amazing. 10 out of 10. Love funny Star Wars. Are we ready to talk about the end of this episode with Trace and Rafa? Yeah. Okay. Um. So, in the end, Hunter gives them uh, a copied, like, drive with the information from the droid in it, because the the droid head is destroyed, but um, Tech managed to get the information, and Hunter hands it over to them because he believes it's the right thing to do because they're they're going to use it for good. So they take it, they get it back on their ship, and then we see them make a call, a hollow call, um, and we don't know who it is. You just kind of see their shoulder slash, like, side arm. Doesn't even indicate age of the person, gender, like, nothing. Yeah. Well, and they, no they specifically say they, like, the whole episode, too. Yeah. I think it's it's someone we know. Uh, you said that it might be Bale, mm-hmm. which would be amazing. Yeah, the two, the two that I've seen online is Bale or um, Rex. Those are the two yeah. I've seen. And, like, obviously there's the Ahsoka, um, like, Trace connection, mm-hmm. too. But I think it's too soon to see Ahsoka. We're not going to see Ahsoka yet. Yeah. And I, I don't think... I think there would have been more familiarity if it was Ahsoka. Like, I think they would have said she. I mean, that would have been, like, a dead giveaway. But just character-wise. Yeah. Um, everybody has been predicting like, a Rex appearance, like, every episode. If you look up Bad Batch, they're like, Rex yeah. in the next episode. Like, so I feel weird saying that, like, it's Rex, but it would make sense to me because that's that Ahsoka connection. Yeah. We're a few years off of, of um, I've been in this fight since I was six. Right? <laughs> Is it six-year-old um, Cassie? 
Lindsay? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> We're a few years off of that. Because um, he's... Is he... He's five years older than Jim, Yeah, so I he's think? probably 26 in that. So he's yeah, yeah, also yeah. wee baby. Yeah, but he's close to six. Like, he's getting there. Yeah. So he's... Right? Like, no, maybe he's already six. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. <laughs> so we're at, like, we're at zero, right? Like, We Leia, are in... Leia, okay, Leia and Luke are zero. Yeah, we're... This is... Okay. Technically, Which means... This is 19 Jin, BBY. This is 19 BBY. Jin is three. Okay. Makes Jin three. Yeah. Which makes... Cassian eight, which means he's already in the fight. You think it's eight year old Cassian? No, <laughs> but we could see Cassian. We could see eight year old Cassian. Like, how old is Omega? Oh my god! How old is Omega? I okay, yeah. Like they could, like they're closish in age for sure. For sure, they could be friends for sure. Like Cassian and Omega. New ship. <laughs> New ship. No, no, like, I'm not even implying that. Like, I just mean, like, I'd be, like... No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, no. He's been in the, the fight since he was six, Shannon. So he's already been... He's already been in the fight but, for two years. But there wasn't a fight. This is now the fight. Well, I mean, the little, like, little rumblings in the Senate. Like, was he... Did he deliver secrets? I feel like he has to be six in zero. Like, when it happens, it's like, you're a fighter now, you're in this fight. Okay, so then he's in this fight. So he's six. Yes. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I, like, yes, so that's definitely, that's definitely the thing. I, the reason I think it could be Bale is just because Bale is kind of, he is kind of like the father of the rebellion because Padme's no longer there. Like, him and Mon Mothma. It was him, Mon Mothma, and Padme, but now Padme's gone. Um, but I don't know how Trace and Rafa would know Bale, is, like, the thing. But Ahsoka knows Bale. She does. Does he... So it's this... Like, I mean, like, obviously they're not as close as um, Ahsoka and Rex, but, like, she just know him. Yeah. I mean, when does she become Fulcrum? Like, I, probably not just yet but no because the Ahsoka book she's not fulcrum oh that's yet. true yeah she's on the run so like she doesn't really go to Bale for like a little bit yeah because like the the epilogue of of that book she goes to Bale doesn't she yeah that's that's what happens are Trace and Rafa the first fulcrum <laughs> <laughs> yeah or is Cassian at six years old <laughs> They're going to pass it to six-year-old Cassian. Listen, maybe the hollow is Cassian. <laughs> I love Like, that. scale doesn't matter with the hollows. No, you're right. But we are missing, like, the most important thing here, which is probably why it's Rex, and it's that they say, like, you know, we found some, like, we found some weird clones. Like, I think you, we know where they are. I think you're going to want to know. Like, true. I feel like yeah, that would be a Rex right. or like a yeah. Unless I mean, yeah. six-year-old Cassian might want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm, I haven't seen anyone say anything about Cassian. No, no, nobody has said anything about Cassian. He has to be around. He's around because he's in this fight. He's he's in this fight. 
<laughs> he's, a, he's in the fi- he's the first member of and the rebellion. Lucasfilm has to remind their audience that Cassian exists because their show's gonna come out. I know, they don't talk about Cassian ever. Like, <laughs> don't forget about Cassian. <laughs> like, little baby Cassian is so cute. So cute. He has a little baby blaster, baby beard. <laughs> Everybody Omega meets, she becomes best friends with, so... Yeah, and, like, she was such good friends with Cut's kids. Yeah. Like, she needs more kid friends. She needs um, all the kid friends. I, you know what, I'm... She needs to play, be able to play uh, ball with Cassian. I'm gonna play, like, Foursquare, play dodgeball. (laughs) Cassian needs a break from the fight. (laughs) Yeah, he needs to be a kid. I just, I had to read an article... For my for my teaching class, where it was like the importance of recess, he needs a break. Kids need breaks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, no. So I'm I'm on this train. Um, six year old Cassian. It's it's six year old Cassian. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I think that does it for these two episodes. Is there anything else that you want to add? Any predictions going into the next two? <sighs> predictions. It's probably Rex. I feel like of all of the Rex is in the next episode, like, I don't think he's in the next episode, but it probably is Rex. Yeah. Um, and, like, because they're staying in Ormental, like, Rex will find them immediately. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think Rex will be here within two weeks. Mm-hmm. Two episodes, probably. Um, I think we're going to get more Empire POV next week. I feel like we're due for it. Yeah, I agree. More clues. They need to, like, litter some more clues. Yeah. I I think the next episode for, like, Bad Batch POV is going to be Fallout with Sid, because they didn't get the, yeah. the droid. Mm-hmm. Um, And then hopefully we'll get to see more Crosshair stuff soon, because I we need it. I think they're going to start talking about the inhibitor chip because of Wrecker. Uh, that is, if Wrecker talks about what happened to him. Yeah, like, I was going to say, like, is there awareness there? Like, is there awareness from the other Bed Batchers that something happened to him? Or is he keeping it to himself? Well, like, the, I feel like he's keeping it to himself because every other time he's, you see, like, he's in distress because of his head. He always just says it's fine and he leaves. I don't think he's one to show weakness or to talk about that kind of thing Mm -hmm. so probably for the bad batch to realize that it's a problem it would have to happen again in front of them yeah which is what's going to lead to some heavy angst which i'm here for i'm always here for that angst i love it (laughs) um so coming up for us though we are actually getting very very close to having a lot of book content to talk about yeah It looks like, so the next episode, we're going to be talking about the Bad Batch again. It'll be a Bad Batch only episode. But then we move into Rising Storm, Crash Point Tower, Out of the Shadows, Tempest Runner. Mm -hmm. I've started Crash Point Tower. It's very good. (laughs) (laughs) I am going to start um, the Kevin Scott's, I forget what that one is called. Right, that's Oh, Rising Rising Storm. Storm. I just read it off. Um, I'm going to start that one when I finish um, For the Wolf. And then I'm going to read Crash Point Tower after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be really fun. Um, but that's going to do it for this episode. If you would like to keep the conversation going, if you want to talk about six-year-old Cassian, if you have any predictions, we would love to hear from you guys. Um, you can find us on Twitter at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon, and Alex is at Alex Leonis. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. 
Bye.